Hello, this is Mike Ghetto and Steve Carpenter from Yakima Chief Hops. This is the very first episode of 2019 of our podcast, Beer, Baseball, and Binds. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, Steve, uh, sp- just uh, starting with the first place Seattle Mariners and, uh, and it's springtime finally in Yakima. Yeah, f- first of all, congratulations for surviving another offseason. I, I, uh, when that last out happens in the World Series, and in this case, uh, the Boston Red Sox winning the World Series, uh, I go into kind of a period of depression because there's no live baseball. So it's great to get through the offseason and to know that opening day is coming up. Uh, yes, the uh, Seattle Mariners are leading the entire Major League Baseball in number of <laughs> victories right now. Uh, we Mariner fans will enjoy it while we can because it's not going to last very long, I'm afraid, this year. Well, we're excited to uh, to have uh, on our, our um, podcast today uh, Jack and Joe from Jack's Abbey uh, in um, just outside of Boston. Right, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. us. So Jack, uh, let's start with you. You're you're uh, you're the Jack and Jack's Abbey. You founded Jack's Abbey with your brothers a couple of years ago. Is that right? That's correct. My brothers and I started the brewery back in 2011, and it was named Jack's Abbey Brewing back then. We've sort of rebranded a little bit, um, where we have Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers and Springdale, which focuses on our barrel aged and ale experimental fermentations. And Joe, you're in charge of the Springdale project, is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Um, I came on board about three years ago now when we opened our uh, second tap room out in Framingham. And, and how did you guys get started? Uh, when you know, how did you come about uh, joining the craft beer um, industry? Well, I uh, I started back in 2005. I I was brewing in Boston for six years, and Went to brewing school at a Siebel and Doman's joint program. And around 2010, my brothers and I decided it was time to uh, start our own place. So we, uh, we were in a much bigger facility now than when we started, but we opened up about a mile down the road from where we are now. And we, uh, when we started, we focused exclusively on brewing lager and sort of experimental, unique lager varieties as well as uh, some of the more traditional styles. And did you spend time in Europe, uh, or where did the uh, the love for lagers come? Uh, that you that was what you focused on initially. You know, a little bit from traveling, um, as well as just from my brewing experience. I worked in a pub, so the unique thing about working in a in a brew pub is that you you basically brew a new beer every time you brew. So it gives you a lot of time to try new things, try new styles, and really started developing some lager recipes that that I enjoyed and thought would work well um, when we opened our own place. We've got, uh, thank you guys for sending out some beers. Steve and I are trying your uh, your house lager and the pearly wit uh, coming out of Springdale. Um, House lager is one of your cores and is is pearly a a new core? Is it going to be a seasonal or where are we at with with, uh, that beer? Oh, yeah, Pearly is uh, not quite a seasonal for us at Springdale, but it is a beer that we definitely are starting to focus on more now as the weather is starting to turn nicer. Um, it's a beer that has uh, a bit of acidity to it, so it's in a Belgian wit style, but with we call it kind of a country-style Belgian wit. So it has 
um, more of a um, an edge of like lactic fermentation to it. And, and in our space, we, we introduce people to the concept of uh, sour barrel aged beer with a beer like this that has a balance between sour and sweet on the palate. Well, they're they're exceptionally good beers. We're happy to start the season with them and. Uh, and Steve, speaking of starting the season, uh, we had a pretty late spring around here in the valley for uh, for getting going on the hops. We did. Uh, we had snow on the ground up until just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and uh, I know there's a lot of growers are trying to pack a lot of spring work into just a couple of weeks here. Uh, but uh, one of the things I love about baseball and, and the hop industry is the seasons kind of parallel each other. And that's something we'll try to do on the podcast this year is give our listeners an update on where we're at and, and, and what the uh, uh, season looks like. Uh, the things that uh, baseball teams and hop growers have in common right now is they both have, uh, the baseball teams have a perfect record and the hop growers have a perfect crop. <laughs> All they can do is mess it up from here on out. Uh, but uh, uh, the water situation uh, seems to be good. Uh, I know the growers up here in Washington and down in Idaho kind of rely on the reservoir systems for their irrigation water. One good thing about having the late snowfall is uh, that uh, factor shouldn't uh, materialize uh, as the season goes on. And uh, the Orion guys, I talked to uh, Pete Venegas, our procurement manager, the other day he was down there. He said <clears throat> they're all waiting for the next rain to come. Because, Already, yeah, wow. because the uh, the weather has been so good that it's getting a little bit dusty, and mm-hmm. you don't hear that too often from a uh, Oregon hop grower that they're waiting for the next rainfall to come. But uh, well, this and you've been obviously you've, you 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 smelled hops on your first day home from the hospital, but. Uh, this is only my second year here, and last year was a, a pretty mild winter, very little snow, and so everybody got in the fields a lot earlier last year than what they're getting in this year. So what what do you expect as a result of that difference? Is it good, bad, negative, or neutral at this point? How do you define I, it? I mean, you, every year is a little bit different, Mike, but I think most of the old-timers will tell you that a long, cold winter usually translates into a pretty decent crop, mm-hmm. and so... If I were to guess today, uh, I would guess that the crop should be pretty good, uh, and the Seattle Mariners will make the World Series. So, <laughs> but is is that because uh, the cold just it kills the insects, or is it that there's sufficient uh, moisture stain in the soil that those long cold winters uh, tend to lead to a better crop? Or I, I guess the theory is that the longer that uh, plant stays dormant there in the soil, you're just kind of holding back all of those. Uh, energies and and uh, those uh, reservoirs in the the carbohydrates that are built up into the plant and uh, the longer you can hold that off the uh, more rapid the growth will be and and uh, could result in a pretty good vine that would support a, a decent crop Got but it. we're a long ways from it's uh, just starting yeah. yeah right now though I what you can see is, is getting out in the valley is there's a tremendous amount of work because people are behind and so I guess at least short term, the big impact is that uh, a lot of uh, the, the guys working on, ladies and guys working on the farms are working real hard right now, getting the new roots in and uh, dug up and all of that, right? Yeah, as an industry, there'll be a few cascades coming out of the ground and probably some citra and other big juices going into the ground. And uh, that's one of the concerns 
among growers is uh, they weren't able to get in and dig roots in February like normal mm-hmm. and uh, get them planted the first part of March. That's going to be delayed about uh, four to six weeks. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll hey, Jack happens. and Joe, have you been uh, out to Yakima or have you been uh, back to Europe at all? Is this part of your um, uh, brewing uh, experience and education? Have you come out to the hop fields at any one time or another? Yeah, so the brewery tries to come out every year, and we have for the last seven. So this will be our eighth year uh, coming out. We certainly find that there's a, a lot of value in, in coming to Yakima and checking out the farms and the harvest and meeting with all the uh, the vendors out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we're actually going to try to check out the Oregon harvest this year if we can uh, make the travel plans work. Yeah, nice. I know for the first time we're going to be actively – um, encouraging and, and building a, a selection process with our Oregon growers this year. We've tended to have that pretty much all here in the state of Washington, and we're excited about that. And we're going to have our first uh, official Yakima Chief Warehouse uh, ready to go in Yakima, and it'll, it'll help uh, um, uh, in Oregon uh, to help uh, um, that process forward. So look forward to having you guys out during that time. Absolutely. Look forward to it as well. So what are the hops, that, you know, with your lagers and, and obviously you're, you're branching out with uh, Springdale and, and some of your, you even have the, the one West Coast uh, lager, as you call it, I think is how you define it, or uh, India Pale Lager. Um, what, are yep. the, what are the hops that you've been focusing on for your beers, both uh, initially and, and how, that, how has that evolved uh, over the last several years since you've started? Yeah, we've seen, we've definitely seen a, a shift in, in hops that we're using, and certainly the more IPAs we're brewing on the Springdale side, it's it's definitely increased our usage per barrel, and you mentioned Citra and some other juicy hops. We certainly have a big focus, even if the, the barrelage isn't that high, the quantity of hops is. Um, we, we may use 10 times more by, uh, by volume or, sorry, by poundage for, uh, like, a Citra than we would for uh, a Hallertau for, for a lager uh Hellas or a Pilsner. So it's certainly affecting how we're contracting and some of the hop varieties that we're, um, even if the volume, again, even if the brewing volume is, is small, some of our biggest volume hop contracts are some of those Citra-type type hops. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Joe, at Springdale, it sounds like you're doing a lot of experimentation between sours and, uh, and IPAs and whatnot. What, uh, what gets you excited these days with, uh, you know, uh, what you've been focusing on? Yeah, like, I guess the, the ex- excitement for us comes a lot through fermentation profile on the, on the sour and barrel-age side. I think on the, the hop side, I'm most ex- excited about the kind of balance between the juicy and the, the more old-school like bitter forward beers that, you know, I, I kind of came on into the craft world drinking. So, I mean, a lot of our IPAs kind of, you know, they are New England IPAs both by style and by where they're from, but I think that they have a nice backbone of bitterness that kind of balances between just being, you know, all juicy fruit forward and like melon and tropical fruit and like having a nice kind of like, I'm not like, not bitter in the sense of bitter 10 years ago, certainly, but bitter bitter backbone to kind of complement that. I'm really enjoying our, our experimentation and our, our freedom to do that on the, the Springdale side. 
Uh, we're a long ways from uh, New England here in Yakima, Washington. Um, are you seeing the the New England uh, style IPA, the the hazy IPA trend continuing strongly, or is it uh, is it uh, leveling off, or how would you describe it in your backyard uh, from Massachusetts? That's a great question. Um, I'm actually out here on Cape Cod today, um, and I've just been visiting some of our um, our partners out here and retail partners, and I'm seeing five or ten breweries that I don't think existed three years ago producing the style. Um, and I think it's it's diversifying so quickly that it's really hard to tell if we're actually selling more New England IPA to customers or we're just selling different IPAs mm-hmm. to customers now. Mm-hmm. It's very very curious. It's everybody has jumped on board quickly, um, and it's uh, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to hear Jack's opinion on it. It's very very curious to see the amount of beer that's in the market that has exploded in the last couple of years. Certainly. Hey, Joe. It's a tough question. Yeah, it's a tough question for us as a brewery. We don't have a year-round IPA. Um, we only have somewhat sporadic uh, releases of IPA. So while, while those beers do perform well for us, we're really focusing on other styles more right now. Um, so we're, we're just not a good we're not a good gauge of the IPA market right now just because we don't have a, a year-round IPA that, that we sell currently. Joe, uh, are you able to get away from your day job there at Springdale and get out to Fenway and watch a baseball game once in a while? Yeah, I, I've, I've been known to do that. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Actually, this past season, um, I found myself in New York City during the ALDS and um, was there early in the week working with our New York rep. And that Monday, if you recall, I believe the Red Sox beat the Yankees something like 16-1. to 1. Right. And t- Tuesday morning I woke up and the tickets had dropped so low. And my, my young nephews who are growing up in Staten Island as Red Sox fans uh. talked to my sister-in-law and we took them to uh, the elimination game. So nice. That was probably my most memorable game uh it was definitely nice to have you know a nine-year-old cheering for the red sox next to me so his cuteness kind of <laughs> the, the, the jeers of the people around us it helped you uh, be brave enough to have your uh, red sox hat on there during the game right <laughs> that's exactly right yeah. exactly right now do you guys get your beers into fenway as it can uh, or, or, or at least around the pubs around uh, the stadium yeah, we're, we're available in uh, a ton of pubs around the stadium. I don't, I don't think we have anything in the stadium this year, though. I'm not 100% on that. I don't think uh, we know that exactly yet. But um, we, we're definitely available in the, the Fenway area and Kenmore Square. We have a lot of great accounts down there that are supporters of Jackson and Springdale. What's the general uh, thought process this year on this year's team? I know, I mean, first of all, congratulations on the uh, World Series championship. But... Uh, I know the Yankees have kind of reloaded uh, there in New York, and uh, looks like Tampa Bay might have a pretty decent team in the East there as well. Uh, what's the general feeling about uh, the 2019 season? I, I um, speaking for myself at least, I know they, they kind of outperformed what anybody um, thought they would do last year. Certainly, I think there was a lot of doom and gloom heading into the uh, the Astros series last year. Um, and, you know, they, they were really exciting to watch. I think this year they, they, they basically retained everyone except for their bullpen, and their bullpen was the issue last year too. So mm-hmm. I doubt they're going to be pulling starters into the, uh, the bullpen rotation as early 
that they did last year. Well, it's pretty um, exciting to get Chris yeah. Sale signed for that extension. That's a big step yeah. uh, to solidify the rotation for at least the next five years. That's going to be that's going to be great. I think for for us here in the Northeast too, the the coming of the baseball season also harkens the coming of sun and warmth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually it's forty eight degrees out right now here in the Cape, so it's, it's not it's not bad, but. Uh, we're, we're looking forward to the first days of T-shirts and shorts outside and uh, the crack of a bat in Fenway Park lighting up the sky. That'll be, that'll be nice. Uh, that sounds like fun. So, uh, so Kim, Kimbrell still, still on not side, signed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's kind of confusing to yeah. me. I, I, I was surprised the Red Sox didn't pick him up, and then uh, uh, to see that he's still out there looking for a job, somebody of his uh, talent kind of surprises me a bit. Does that surprise you? That surprised me. I was reading up uh, this this past off season on it, and certainly their uh, their bullpen, you know, w- wasn't a strong suit last year. At least that's that's what everyone thought going into the playoffs. And obviously, um, we had a great result out of the playoffs, and the bullpen performed outperformed what anyone thought they were going to do. So you would, I would certainly think that they would like want to shore that up. It seems like they they have high hopes on uh, Mr. Barnes and his ability to step into that role, though. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying the the buzz of how how good they appeared to be in the uh, postseason. We shall see if that uh, translates into regular season success. I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see this year how the different teams deal with their starters and their bullpens, given what happened last year, with much shorter starts and rotating in and out, and yet the Red Sox. Did really well, obviously winning the World Series by really focusing and relying on that rotation. So, mm-hmm. be, it'd be interesting to see how everybody plays out now with that new rule too about uh, the pitcher. Is that for this year or next year, where they've got to face a minimum of three batters? Yeah, uh, I think they're trying that out in one of the minor leagues this year to see how it's going to work. Right, but uh, eh, we're getting a little bit outside of the old part of the game that I used to enjoy. Uh, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, as long as they don't, uh, you know, try to outlaw the shift, uh, <laughs> that that would be uh, yeah, that would yep. be detrimental. Force them to hit it, hit them where they ain't. Right? Yeah, that's the part of it. How long is uh, Mookie Betts still signed for? He's going to get probably the, if he stays healthy, the next really big big contract out there. So, I think he's signed for the next year or two. I mean, I know that 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 huge contract that was handed to was it Mike Trout out in L.A. is yep. uh, mm-hmm. everyone around town is talking about how that's. That falls into uh, Mookie's lap as a, as a big windfall for him when he, he needs to get paid. And I mean, we I'm, I don't know if I speak for all of Red Sox Nation, but I, I I know that myself, my family, my grandfather, we all want to see him stay. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, such an exciting player. My, my, one of my favorite uh, memories of last season was that 13 pitch at bat uh, grand slam against uh, Toronto. It was mm-hmm. really late season. Just a great at bat, and you know he just had so much spark to that team. You know, even even if the playoffs weren't the best part of the the season for him, he just he really uh, carried a lot. He of took the team the entire way. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure I take him over Mike Trout, but I definitely take him over Bryce Harper. Uh, I think actually the with uh, the defense, the the Angels actually got a I think a, a better bargain. deal. Yeah, I, I think they got a bargain compared to what uh, Harper was paid. Uh, but. Uh, Hey, have you guys selected Alex Cora as mayor yet? I mean, here the guy, rookie season, uh, first shot at manager, and he leads a team to a world championship. you got to be pretty excited about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you'll recall that 
John Farrell did the same thing. So let's hope that he stays in everyone's good graces much yeah. longer than Mr. Farrell did. <laughs> when you no, can... I mean, I, I love seeing the, a young guy, a person of color who kind of represents our city well and yeah. uh, is so well-spoken about, you know, his background and what he does. And yeah, he's a, uh, he certainly, I think, does a great job of representing Boston uh, in more ways than one. We we had his brother Joey play second base for Seattle for a couple years, and he was a fan favorite. Uh, that it's just a great baseball family, and uh, it's it's good to to see Alex have so much success early on in his managerial career. Uh, the bad news is it's all downhill from here, but uh, uh, he's. At least off to a good start, and uh, it's good to see. And is Dustin back healthy this year now? Is, is he going to be full-time second base, or, or what's the status um, on He's on injured reserve for uh, opening day. Mm. Um, and, and he's not real happy about it, is he? <laughs> no. <laughs> not that he's ever been happy about, about that. I mean, I, I, I don't know, you know what the history of like, player coaches are, have been in, in MLB's time but it seems like he's he's kind of heading in that like trusted veteran role more than he is um you know an everyday everyday player um certainly mm-hmm. certainly embodies a lot of the spirit and the feistiness that that that, that team um exhibited last year even if his at-bats were few and far between mm-hmm. well you're you talked about uh you and your your family your father and grandfather your experience as a red sox fan is entirely different than your grandfather's, right? I mean, in terms of uh, how many years oh, of suffering through uh, those seasons, right? Oh, we're, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, I, you should at least uh, be curious to hear Jack's perspective on this too, because he, he you know, he's in New England as a uh, secret New Yorker. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for myself, I, I grew up with all my teams were terrible, and you know, it was just kind of what it, what we did is we followed him. We heard stories about the Celtics in the eighties and that was it. And, you know, mm-hmm. now, now we're as insufferable as the Yankees fans. We once loathed. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we have a rule. Experience for us. We have a rule around here. You can pretty much wear anything you want to work except a New York Yankee uh, t-shirt and uh, otherwise you're good to go. So we might have to add, we might have to add the Red Sox to that if they win another couple of world series here. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not really, you know, that's the funny thing is that they're not doing it much differently than the Yankees teams we hated. They're the biggest payroll in baseball, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're acting like it. Um, but it does take a combination of of attitude, money, talent, and um, and determination, and they, they seem to have kind of hit the, the jackpot on that. And, you know, that's organizationally a cool thing to look at from from our perspective, uh, as, as craft brewers, I mean, we're, we're never going to be the, the guys with the, the big pockets, but, you know, we can, we can take something from the determination and drive that, that seems like that display and probably take it into our world. You know, I'm kind of curious, actually, uh, you know, uh, you, you have in Fenway with, uh, with Boston Lager, Sam Adams, uh, sort of an icon in craft and somebody obviously has done very well do you guys within the state of Massachusetts, uh, do you have a pretty powerful, uh, you know, uh, beer, beer guild or an association where you can get together with other up and coming, uh, craft brewers that have been kind of established in the last 10 years and, uh, you know, push for, uh, you know, appropriate regulations or freedom really is what it amounts to most of the time. And, uh, you know, especially with what's happening in craft, uh, and, and IPAs and, 
as you mentioned, all of the growth and new um, brands and new breweries out there. What's uh, what's kind of the in- internal camaraderie or lack of it in, in Massachusetts? Well, Massachusetts has a very strong Brewers Guild. The Mass Brewers Guild, particularly in the last, I'd say, three years, has nearly tripled in, in members, uh, well over 100 members now. There's only maybe 20 or 30 a few years ago. Uh, my brother's on the uh, on the board, and they're they're certainly making a lot of progress. There's some some obvious legislative issues that they're working on, between, you know, whether it's a licensing or distributor arrangements, uh, as well as there's a lot of emphasis now on education and technical experience. Um, and the brewery here will be hosting a technical conference for the Mass Brewers Guild in May, and. Um, it'll be a full day event where we're expecting well over a hundred attendees to, to show up for, for different, and it's not just brewing, uh, education. It, it may be, um, front of house operator, restaurant operations, or it may be, uh, licensing things, or maybe marketing or, or sales, uh, uh, as well. So sort of a, a focus on anything related to, to running a, a brewery business that the, the Brewers Guild is taking on now. Nice. Nice. That's got to be a great resource for people that are just trying to figure stuff out, right? So it's a nice thing to have. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure it's no different than any other state, but probably more than half the breweries in this state have opened in the last few years. So a lot of people who are new to the industry and could really uh, utilize a lot of of these resources that the, the Guild is providing. Yeah, we we can see just tracking, uh, you know, shipments uh, that it's it's gone up quite a bit, uh, not only in Massachusetts but throughout New England, um, as you know, as the popularity of craft explodes and consumers figure out this is a pretty good way to spend some time and uh, and uh, and enjoy, you know, uh, the the scene at the at the pu- the brew pubs and everything else, and enjoy a couple of good beers and not feel obliged to have to go out and buy a a, a twenty four pack of something and whatever so i wonder if there's any correlation between uh the rise of craft beer in massachusetts and that first world series championship (laughs) in decades back in 2004 you think there's any correlation there I mean, when you celebrate, I mean, what sport, you need what good beer, right? What sports team in Boston hasn't won in the last <laughs> last 13 years? And not only hasn't won, hasn't won like four times. So, That's so true. the whole city is, uh, uh, I mean, it's tough for me as a New Yorker, but, you know, give the city credit. They've, they've done a good job not just with baseball, with, with basically any, any major league sports team. Yeah. Uh, of course, I have to point out the, the one team that hasn't been the New England Revolution, my my preferred team is uh miring in the, the bottom of their league so that's the one team that hasn't so we can yeah. stick to a little bit of failure as part of our identity <laughs> is there an nfl team in you guys area by any chance <laughs> yeah they're not in boston though they're like somewhere outside of boston who knows uh, oh yeah those guys those guys yeah those guys yeah, yeah. They're uh, not well thought of in Seattle for one very obvious <laughs> three seconds uh, a couple of years ago. But, uh, no, uh, Boston, I think, is uh, really experiencing uh, some good times when it comes to the uh, professional sports team in the area. And uh, 
enjoy it. Um, they come few and far between in Seattle, I can tell you. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we're getting ready to. Uh, we're getting. Speaking of uh, tough times in Seattle, uh, we're going to launch. We're going to announce today, uh, without Kate knowing it yet. We're going to announce that we've got a new blend of hops coming up. That's a combination of Nugget. Um, Fuggle and um, Cluster and uh, Steve, you came up with this one and uh, you tell us oh tell boy. us what. <laughs> yes, uh, I am evidently the new face of our new blend, which we're calling Cluster Fugget. <laughs> so if if you guys are using that combination of hops and and you want to try our new blend, please let us know. Joe, you should be able to come up with something at Springdale. It sounds like a perfect place to do something that might be a little uh, skunk work or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, we figured he's been a Mariners fan since day one, so forty years of frustration. He knows a cluster fugget when he sees it. That's yep. the that's the thought. So that, that's for sure. We just hope that uh, it can go into some good beer and uh, people will have fun with it. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Steve, it's good to have a, a new year get started here. It uh, really is. You know, after the winter and all of the gray, somebody described Yakima to me perfectly over the weekend. And it's, uh, you know, you kind of go from the winter in Yakima to the spring and the summer. And it's a little bit like uh, the movie Wizard of Oz when you go from black and white to color. Mm. That's pretty much Yakima. So you know, as you as you get out of the grays and uh, and whatnot, all of a sudden color starts bursting out. That's uh, that's what it's like here. Wait, so wait a minute, the Wizard of Oz is in color. <laughs> <laughs> after after the witch fell. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, I remember that. Go back and rewatch that. One again. <laughs> yeah. You got granddaughters. You should be seeing I, this stuff. I know. I'm sure they see it on a regular basis. So. Uh, Oh, yep. Anyway, well, Jack and Joe, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck with the brewery first and foremost, and uh, here's wishing a good baseball season. Yep. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Thanks uh, having us, guys. We, we, wish, we wish you nothing but good hops, and uh, if uh, that goes for baseball or beer, and uh, if you guys are in the area, look us up. We'd love to uh, sit down and have a beer and maybe watch a baseball game or two when you guys are out here. And uh, if we get in your neck of the woods, we'll, uh, we'll give you a ring as well. That sounds great. All right. Have a good one, guys.